0: August 24, 2021, so off for Pedro's show. Pedro Show, Happy Tuesday, started off with Rift Tide, Live in Dusseldorf, 1960, John Coltrane, with Stan Getz, Oscar Peterson, Paul Chambers, and Jimmy Cobb, it was a miles tour, but they had day off, and so, uh, rare, kind of, get together, that's bitching, right, uh, after that, Pants Exploder, it's okay, I'm wick, <laughs> Wiccan. You yeah. <laughs> can tell people I'm not man alone. It's wonder of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got Jason LaFarge from Brooklyn, right?
1: That's right. Talking to From Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Pro- uh, Prospect Heights.
0: Prospect parts, part of Brooklyn. Uh, are you still at the Caesar's Palace?
1: I am uh, still sharing that space with uh, with Martin B.C. Well, uh, well, we're going to get it, up
0: to that, I just wanted to cool. ask, because that's actually my first connect about you coming into my consciousness because Brother Steve McKay.
1: Indeed, missing okay. miss him much, missing, but yes.
0: Very big time, very, very big time. Blue prostitutes, stuff like that. I remember you know, I joined him for Stooges gigs, and he would t- catch me up on all his uh, side projects with you guys, and it was just beautiful.
1: Just, you know, that's so cool yeah you know, uh, like i it, was but, uh, but
2: jason
1: yeah yeah yeah. go ahead
0: let's let's check out your journey through music and we'll get all right we'll get to brother steven stuff but let's go let's fucking turn the Wayback machine way back and uh <laughs> please bring your earliest musical recollection
1: well uh i was um raised not by musicians um but my dad was definitely an audiophile and, uh, and loved music and, and mostly classical music. Um, and had a really nice stereo with the Macintosh amps and the, you know, he had, he, he really, he, he poured a lot of attention into his, into his stereo system. So that's sort of what I grew up on and, and, and grew up with, uh, you know, a, a deep appreciation for sound. Um, and anyway, my, my, my dad played a lot of classical music and I think I I asked for a violin when I was age two, but they didn't give me one until I was six. Um, but so my, my earliest memories are of violin and of classical music. Um, but at around age six, when I started, uh, taking violin lessons and, and started going that route, I, uh, had some next door neighbors, some teenage boys next door who, yeah, you know, played some Kiss for me in Boston and Aerosmith and and what have you and and so um, uh, I sort of got into rock around the same time that I started playing violin and I remember my my parents asking my violin teacher if there was a rock music with a violin and so she turned me on to ELO and so I remember getting you know listening to the Electric Light Orchestra and that's that and Kiss were probably the first you know real things that I I really listened to. ELO had a
0: couple of cello players, maybe yeah. a violin, too. Um, the violin I remember, uh, Kansas.
1: Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. I, I never really got 70s, into Kansas. It uh,
0: you're talking about arena rock shit.
1: Right. Uh, of course, <laughs> on the
0: West Coast, there was a very famous cat who played with all kinds of people. Uh, Papa John Creech.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. At age six, that wasn't in my, uh, my, my site, line of sight at that well, point. let
0: me ask you, Jason, <laughs> where was this pad?
1: Uh, This would have been in Macon, Georgia. I grew up in Macon, Georgia, okay, okay. Uh, up, up until teenage years, and then I went to Atlanta.
0: Okay, and uh, yeah, there's no instruments in the pad until they get you that violin, and you're influenced by the, your pop's classical music from this uh, righteous stereo. What about the first record you bought with your own money?
1: Sure, so with my own money, it would have been in like December of 1976, because we were up visiting my Aunt May, and I had some Christmas money in my hand and uh they had it on display at the i think it was Camelot Music it was either Camelot or Franklin Music at Lenox Square Mall in Atlanta and they had a display of Kiss Rock and Roll Over and Destroyer and i i got both of those records right then so that, that was those are the first that i bought with money and that then, i had uh, in
0: my hand first gig you went and saw uh
1: so um i went to probably a lot of classical stuff early on like classical concerts Macon Symphony Orchestra and what have you but the first non classical uh, show I saw was Dizzy Gillespie at the uh, Grand Opera House in, in Macon, Georgia. Yeah, you uh, my- know,
0: for me, music is music. So, classic. <laughs> you were probably your pop was a fan, and he probably took you, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, but, but that would be the first one that I really remember because classical as, uh, as much as uh, you, know, well, it, look, it
0: you enough to ask for violin. So it wasn't like it was a plague or something. Well, let me, ask Oh, you, absolutely. Jason, sure. Let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir or the, the, the orchestra or marching band or shit like that?
1: I was in the orchestra um, starting in middle school. Like what, well, um, actually I, I should take that back. Uh, starting in elementary school, in Macon, there was a, a, a very small music program, and I was in a small string quartet, I remember. Oh, I remember nice. actually getting out of class a couple of times to play in the string quartet. Uh, but uh, yeah, later on in high school, middle school and high school, I was in, in the orchestra for sure.
0: Now, uh, after school, in the afternoon, not graduate, bedroom band, garage band, basement band. Do you, yep. You're rocking the violin with your buddies
1: uh, after Well, school? here's the thing. Actually, here's the thing. The violin was constant from age six on. But then, I, like I said, I was into rock, so I, I really wanted a guitar. And I got a guitar around age nine, but uh, I was a horrible student and studied from a dear family friend who's still a dear family friend. And I, I feel bad about how terrible of a student I was. Uh, but I was playing through a Mel by Bay terrible, uh, By terrible
0: student, Jason, you mean like no practice?
1: Yeah, well I just wasn't that interested because I wanted to rock and I was playing, you know, folk songs from my Mel Bay book and it wasn't it just didn't appeal to me in any way. So I didn't put the effort into it because of that. Um and then uh, so then at age 12 My next door neighbor in that same building where I learned from those other guys earlier on at age six, another couple moved in who ended up being hugely influenced, Kurt Peacock, and he sold me his drum set uh, at age 12. It was this Orange Sparkle drum set. And I, you know, I just, from that point on, I played drums for a a number of years, uh, driving my parents crazy. And then I got another guitar at age 14, and then I started really playing guitar again so uh in in high school i was basically in a band where i played guitar um but uh, i had already at that point been playing drums so
0: you only the, used the the violin. the violin like with school stuff
1: yes uh, and, you know, and there yes there was
0: a, there was a a violin rock. Well, I guess maybe few. I, my orchestral orchestra had Jerry Goodman, so I did see oh, them in yeah. the seventies.
1: So good. And it so seemed
0: good. like it. They were all playing lead violin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Billy Cobham
0: on the drums. So, so good. What about yeah. Jason? Tell me about. I'm interested in this d- drum thing. Sure. Okay. Did you take uh, lessons? Uh, look, I never look, took. Look, you know, I just lessons. heard. You know, I just heard. We lost Charlie Watts.
1: I, I just heard that too. It's amazing. Oh. I, uh, what a what a what a career that so, guy had. What a well, long so I run. Made, I'm going
0: to ask about <laughs> lessons. Or did you learn off records, like listening to Charlie and shit?
1: I totally learned off of records, and, and mostly at that point, at age thirteen or or whatever, that I was really getting into that. It was metal. I was listening to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Rush, and trying to you know nowhere near as good as any of those drummers, but I was that's what I was trying to play along with.
0: Make it. Um, when and, I think of making George, I think of Jim Brown.
1: Sure, and and this at this point I would have at age 13 we would have moved to Atlanta, so I was in the suburbs of Atlanta at okay. this point beating okay. on my drums in the suburbs. But
0: did you ever get you know some funk, some Clyde Stubblefield? Uh, <laughs> um, I,
1: I never was that. That wasn't my realm at that. Certainly not at no, that I time. No, re- I
0: look. I remember uh, <laughs> kind of segregation of music, right? For some oh. weird reason, because rock and roll is definitely black music. I mean, it comes. <laughs> Way oh, back. sure. It's a mule. It's a mixture of all kinds of stuff. And that's why I said music's music. So, as in trying to get all one up and on ship on. <laughs> it's interesting that you balls out trying these different instruments. I think that's really fucking happening because they're not so separate. Like, if I'm going to mm-hmm. say music's music, also in the devices, the division of labor, I guess you'd call it.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, that's true True. Um, I, I would like to say, going anything. back to the. Uh, going back to the, uh, the the different music being music, shortly after seeing uh, Dizzy Gillespie in 78, I went with my next-door neighbors and saw Kenny Rogers. So those are my first two shows I ever seen. I'm probably the only person whose first two shows were Dizzy Gillespie and Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Just saying. And
0: that's, and that's a trippy. <laughs> first gig I saw was T-Rex.
1: Oh, wow. The that's beautiful.
0: Saw T-Rex at Long Beach. And uh, I can't remember the second one. It might have been, uh, what were they called? Ah, something of the airwaves Masters of the airwaves It played at the, the Warner Theater Oh wow, you don't know, know that yeah, one Yeah, I know They weren't a big band or anything But the, yeah, memory gets blurred So look, you, you sent me a bunch of pants, Exploder I want to play uh, uh, some more Judy's getting involved
1: Oh, awesome, thanks
2: She was a ventriloquist in a way Turning everything on air into an expose She dragged her name through the dirt just for sport and settle out of court And her her network boss would say That we're going to tell you one day He was the last man standing in a Polish camp way back in 45 Lenny a Siren Ingrates rang his lawyer left his seventh wife He made a child of the Camara on a yacht just out of Napoli And he he knocked her up that week In his twin Golf stream, but time. 40 years ago the fixer set off on his trail of flying He found the old French quarters right water and he stayed a while He got a job in repossession seizing speedboats in the old jet ski But he made a better living cutting slack to while the people kept his arms well green he bought the shadow bunga bunga by the beach to lure the rich high flyers. Installed cameras in the bedrooms and an office in the Virgin Isles But time's not free of life Land stations in the and by a satellite dish Meanwhile, fix have built a pyramid scheme that made in Ponzi Then he started running with a chaser and was cooling on his fresh new bride. But then one night, went up alone a Bunga Bunga with the vixen's wife. And he he come home like dressed slick So she she hired a private dick. Meanwhile his station Got a fraction of the traction And the ratings bombed Till headhunters found Susie on a day shift In a nail salon She brought a glamour To the camera And a panoramic paranoia yeah. The network's ratings soared And they I banks their cash offshore, but time uh... Rich buddies lost millions And he took off to the Virgin Islands They stung him hard with lawsuits Sinking into Palmer Drag him home But he blackmailed everybody With his bunker Bunga videos So then Lenny sent Susie With a camera crew to talk him down But the fixer pulled the gun on And stuck it in Susie's man. Played a video of Lenny cheating live on air and shot himself With a 38 special after wishing Lenny's hitman well Then Lenny lost the station and his reputation went to rest In an undisclosed location wearing slippers and a bulletproof vest
3: In an undisclosed location Wearing slippers
2: and a bulletproof vest
0: Pedro show that chunk of music start off. Pants exploder. Judy's getting involved. Northern Jaw, brand new. Diminishing returns. Mold Omen, Helium Kit, I think it's reissue. How Moore, Cedric Noel, brand new Como? Trippy word. C O M U U. Yeah, I like it. The chair recognizes the gentleman, Bombus Prendon. King Champion sounds with Mia Doi Todd remembering ESB ESB tropical fuck storm brand new reporting of a failed campaign and finally pants exploder again with worms of endearment okay so when you guys are doing the jams after school are you writing your own stuff or are you like me and the people try to copy songs off records
1: um a little of both i remember the the band that i had in high school would be uh, we did write some original tunes, and we actually went into the studio and the, and recorded them. So that was like my first studio experience; was like age seventeen or so. Um, although I I have no idea where those files are now. Uh, or did this band are. also
0: do gigs, or was it just a practice? Oh yeah. One? Okay. In
1: fact, that, my my very first show ever was uh, what later became the Masquerade in Atlanta. It was uh, a yeah, Excelsior Mill at the time. Uh, yeah, a little I'm sure. Little bit you of Hollywood there. in
0: Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> everything painted black. I, I, I did several gigs there.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. That was, uh, people, um,
0: it was like an old sawmill or something.
1: It was, it was an old Excelsior mill. Actually, which was okay. just like sawdust or something. I yeah, made yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah crazy, crazy, place. Rusty,
0: but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Good people there. And I, I had some good times. Here. Uh, what, what was the name of this band, Jason?
1: It was called Acacia. That was the, that was my first band. Acacia. Acacia. And,
0: like uh, the, like
1: Acacia. The, like the tree.
0: Well, the, a Freemason will get buried with a t- sprig, oh
1: really I did not know that
0: yeah, it's very heavy that that there's a big tradition behind that stuff, acacia it's not just any wow, that's trippy and but you, <laughs> you guys just picked it out of a dictionary or what yeah I, I honestly
1: I don't I, one of the guys <laughs> now, decided about, on it Tell me I don't about remember. the first gig uh the first gig would have been at uh yeah at uh, like I said, it was in the basement of Excelsior Mill playing with a band called the Shadow Puppets in Atlanta, which was a band that would play uh, basically in front of a big white sheet and just, uh, you know, a, a blank projector on them. I don't remember them having anything on the projector like servers or, or anything like something projected over them. I just remember it being white and on a sheet and they were the Shadow Puppets. Uh, but they they were a band. I, I remember they had a release in Atlanta uh, that was – you know, Georgie had a slang for
0: what he called one armed shadow boxing. You can imagine what that's a slang for. <laughs> okay. He had about 10 million slangs for that activity. <laughs> but that you, you brought to my memory. What, Georgie, very creative man, not just on the drums. <laughs> All sort of words. Great. He wrote some of the greatest Minuteman lyrics. I mean, so deep Boone, but. And what was the filler supplier with that area? Uh, awesome. T. Boone saying, it's too spacey, man. <laughs> they don't know what you're starting to say. Uh, uh, okay, okay. So uh, after school, do you school, uh, pursue music in higher education?
1: Yeah, I did. I actually got a, a, a degree for, vi- or I didn't get a degree, I, I, I got a scholarship for violin to a uh, small school on the, uh, on the, border of alabama columbus college at the time it's now known as columbus state university um but uh yeah i went on a music performance scholarship columbus, and Georgia, real-
0: i think uh, that's where the confederate navy museum is
1: oh is it well it, i mean it's, it's a big army town i don't know about navy. well no, yes yeah, it's, it's, it's it's inland so uh yeah uh,
0: <laughs> yeah but, but some of their stuff was on uh rivers uh, and, you know, ironclads. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's I, true. I just remember going through, you know, because there's Columbus's all over the fucking place, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Columbus, Georgia is a military town. Fort Benning is is there, which is a large sure, military sure, installation. Sure. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I went there for violin and, and learned a lot, but realized really quickly that I didn't have what it took to be a music performance major, certainly not for violin. Um, and I – Basically changed my degree to a music education major, and then realized I would end up conducting a high school orchestra and killing myself at some point, probably because I knew how horrible (laughs) working with a high school orchestra could be. Um, So I got to do it. Yeah, so I got out of that. I I ended up getting a philosophy degree from Georgia State University. I got out of out of the music as academics.
0: academic but you didn't get out of music right and, and i, I, I know, know you as a bass man so when the fuck does that
1: happen <laughs> so that happened towards the end of pineal ventana which was my band in atlanta uh, that i had joined actually they had started in 93 i joined them in 96 and uh, i'd started off playing violin and guitar mostly guitar but playing some violin with pineal ventana and then some extra percussion when it was necessary, um, but we had a bass player until the near the end of the band, and then the longtime bass player, John Whitaker, left, and it, there was a void there, and two other multi-instrumentalists came in, but and we all sort of took turns on bass, I think, but uh, the, that's sort of when that bug started with me playing that, bass. So that's
0: your first time on the bass, okay? It really is, yeah. What did you get? Fender?
1: Um. No, I Travis Bean. I had the Travis Bean. Oh, that a, was in that picture, right from the get go. Yeah, they weigh a buttload, right? They, they do, but you know, my uh, main guitar from when I got that guitar in '14 is a Gibson Les Paul, so I was used to a lot of weight for a guitar, and I don't feel right with a light instrument. It just doesn't feel right on my body. Well, I've, a little I've with tried. neck. Yeah, the aluminum neck. But the nice thing about the, the Travis Beans was they were very well balanced. Like the, the body was – it would hang nicely. Uh, I've tried a couple of those Kramers, and it's just so neck heavy. The second you let go of your left the other hand, other diving. Neck. That's the other aluminum neck from that period. There's <laughs> n- there's newer ones now. There's, you know, Electrical Guitar Company, and there, there's some other aluminum neck. So, uh, so yeah.
0: for bass, okay, because you, you've been on the violin, you've been on the guitar, you've been on the drums, and now you move the bass. But what was your – and uh, uh, obviously, no lessons, right? Learn as you do.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, uh, Although I, t-
1: I had taken guitar lessons, though, so, you know, I mean, there's.
0: Okay, okay, let's get into enough, that. So. Is the bass really a four string guitar, or is it a four string drum?
1: <laughs> uh, it's a combination of both. Yeah, I, I would think. say it it's really more of a four string
0: drum, okay? Yeah. yeah. It looks like know. a fucking guitar. But the way. God, its notes are way there in the kick. Maybe yeah, some It's true.
1: That's it. <laughs> It's true, but but at least with the knowledge of the guitar, you you have a knowledge of where the notes are on the bass as well. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's basically the lowest four strings of a guitar, just down an octave. So, um, unless you change things up like we do in Pants Exploder, but the, learning the traditional way. So, it, it but yes, it is it is definitely part percussion instrument, and that is what I love about the bass. I
0: mean, sure. if you think about it, electric. Uh, of course, the the, the bass guitar. Isn't really the traditional bass. The bass was actually a fucking giant violin without the chin sure. part. It no, I think because they wanted the timber in the, the, you know, with the different sizes. You know, they did it with uh, the the reeds. They did it with the strings, with the brass. Just bigger, more tube, more uh, length of string. Sure. But then you keep in the same family, right? That's why you don't see saxophones in symphonies.
3: That's right. Something some with the timber.
0: Right. All notes aren't created equal. For example, on my bass guitar, I got right for the B note exists on all four strings. Same right. note, yep. but they sound fucking different. Different Way diameter, different. different place on the neck. Yeah. So th- these kind of things. So I, I, I'm wondering, uh, did you like like for me? Jack Bruce was a big go to. Did you have somebody like that? Um. <sighs>
1: Yeah, you know, maybe guys like Jeff Pincus or, or oh, yeah. uh, you know, D- David William Sims. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or, or David William Sims of Jesus Lizard. Something like that. I, something yeah. about that definitely. That was stuck more with Austin. Me.
0: And, I mean, yeah. Dave Sims, more like uh, Tracy Pugh.
1: Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I love that stuff. Love yeah. Both those yeah.
0: guys are great basemen. I, I love both of them. Mr. Sims, down New York City guy, a long time. I think an accountant. Yeah, it's a two. Uh, like Franz Kafka said, the two desks, right? And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh Jeff Pincus, he's in North Carolina now, and uh, I think he's doing sure. like banjo and shit.
1: He is. I heard his new album. It's really, really good. Yeah. It's like psychedelic banjo. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. yeah. Jeff
0: Pinkus, very creative cat, man. Uh, and, and and Mr. Sims too. Uh, also, b- before that, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, it was him and Mr. Yao, uh, Scratch Acid.
1: Scratch Acid, Scratch. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Ray Washam on drums. Right, right.
0: right. Ray Washam. <clears throat> yeah. Really good. I mean, if you're picking inspirations of bass players, those, those are two great ones.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I've always loved the, the the albums that they were on from those bands. I so. also
0: seen bands in the clubs. You know, different than arena rock. You know, you can actually see what I'd watch. Lorna Doom. Wow, that's how they do that. You know what I mean? Even though you could sure, tell they were just yeah, starting, you... there was something really empowering about seeing somebody really work it in front of you instead of, like, some tiny object. Stack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. stack. You got it, Jason. We're yeah. at the end of the first hour. Uh, August 24, 2021. The Dishwap, Peter Show. Special guest, Jason LaFarge. Hold tight for hour two. August 24, 2021. It's the second hour of the Wap for Pedro.
4: Triste y solitario, sin padre ni madre. matando que me va matando triste triste y solitario sin padre ni madre que lloren mis penas triste triste y solitario sin padre ni madre que lloren mis penas Vivo solo en la cantina bebiendo y sufriendo las aventuras cielo porque me castigas porque no mitigas este sufrimiento cielo porque me castigas porque no mitigas este sufrimiento
0: Pedro Show start off the second hour with Moth Dust from Hallux this is some uh, music that Jason floated Manuel Armid after that where's the music yellow now well it's Mexico City but it was the Northwest Territory uh, Chicha Libre Your, I thought you were in this band all this time but still this bitch music I love it uh, but you did have a hand in, the, in making realizing the recording But
1: I, I recorded that album yesterday yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Man behind the curtain. Yeah, Pay attention, <laughs> El Barachiro, uh, the little drunk. Huh? And then Lucas uh, Abella out of Sydney. Q isn't for anything. Deity five thousand, You took it all. What, what are these projects? D85,000 and Alex.
1: So d five thousand was the band that I joined uh, right after um, moving back to Atlanta from that that uh, Columbus college experience and uh the uh main guy in d Five kurt hagemeyer was a uh was in acacia with me in in high school um and so he was sort of wanting to do this metal industrial thing and he remembered that i had played drums and he wasn't looking for another guitarist which he knew that i played guitar as well but he was looking for a a, a drummer and so uh i started playing drums with them and that lasted for from like 92 until 96 and that's when i joined pineal ventana um the Hallux was up here in, in in brooklyn and uh following a blue prostitute show at union pool uh andrew barker who i believe was djing that night um uh, approached me andrew being uh, just a phenomenal jazz drummer um and i knew him from atlanta he, he was in gold sparkle band um in atlanta and um with uh, charles waters um and anyway he uh he approached me and said that he'd been writing some metal music he'd been playing guitar and he would always wanted to play guitar and play some metal and he'd been writing these songs and wanted to know if i'd be interested in playing bass on them and uh hans chu uh is the was the drummer of of hallux and the second all three of us got in the room and started playing i was like oh yeah i could i could see this being a fun project. And so it lasted two or three years. I think it lasted three years when Hans is, he's also a singer songwriter guy and he got busy with a couple of his other projects and had to drop one of them. And once he left, I, I just wasn't, none of us were really keen on going any further without Hans. So uh, it ended after only a few years. Okay. But it was a fun project. But
0: this is, uh, I'm, I'm getting the little timeline together because you, you make the move from georgia to new york to brooklyn right
1: yes um and that would have been in in 2002 um we had recorded two albums pineal ventana had recorded two albums with martin bc um in in brooklyn and he and i had stayed in touch a little bit by by email
0: no let's talk about this how did you meet martin
1: uh we met martin um we had recorded an album breathe as you might in Atlanta. And so we were signed by another label out of Seattle called unit circle records. And they gave us a recording budget. Uh, and we had a choice of where we could go. Um, we were all familiar with Martin's work with swans. Um, and we were all sort of swans fans. Um, and then we had a a very dear friend of ours. Kathleen Lynch was in the band Beamy seat. She was also in bottle surfers, uh, as the, as their new dancer yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. 80s. Um, <laughs> like, they uh, didn't even
0: have a name for her. <laughs> I don't yeah, ta the the
1: shit lady, I believe, was, yeah, her, was yeah, one of yeah, her like, names. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. But Martin, you know,
0: Martin also did the sister Sonic Youth record. That's where I meet him.
1: Uh, was it, it was Evil or sister? I thought oh, it was oh evil. no, it's Evil. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. Evil. you're right. You're right. It's <laughs> Eval, and it, there was no fucking Boof.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like
0: we're in the one big room.
1: It was one room, yeah. The, the, the studio is bigger now because he got the downstairs a few years after that, so we have a really large, two large tracking rooms downstairs, but in those days, it was just the control room, uh, what is it basically where, uh, you know, Martin's side, where the, the board was, and then where the other side is, where where everything was recorded, that's now my side. So ah. it, we sort of have a dueling control room situation. So I've got that side where the parquet floor is, where the drums used to sit. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's 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 how the the place is divided now. You know, uh, um,
0: you're talking about Pinal uh, Ventana. Now we can play some for the listeners, so they can Oh, hear awesome! What's, what's <laughs>
3: Hi, Charlotte. It's Naomi. Long time since hearing your voice.
5: Um, I'll be delighted to come to the Silver uh, Sister Supper for Louise, and um, just count me in, and I'll see you on the 16th. Thanks a lot. Hi, Charlotte. This is Laura Meyer with ADK, and I just wanted to let you know that I plan on being at um, Louise's dinner, and uh, I will see you guys on Wednesday then. Thank you. Bye.
2: There was a time in this country when mothers and fathers beat the devil out of the kids. And now they say, let the little darlings live as they please. Beautiful, lovely little flowers. Let them bloom and bloom. Little divine creatures. They're just in here to be good, you know. Just direct or they'll be all right.
5: Used to have preachers that stood up in the pulpits in America and
3: said, This is the word of God!
0: gotta show that chunk of music start out with pineal ventata with liner notes, but spelled trippy, like L-E-Y-N-E-R. And then Black Pariah sweet from Black Pariah. What do you call that? Eponymous, huh? Uh, pineal Ventata or pineal. Pineal, yeah. Yeah, and you spelled it both ways. One, one is well, one word, <laughs> one is two words.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, this it is should key. be two words, right? <laughs> two words, yeah, yeah two
0: 25. words. SSS, the lamb with no heads. Okay, and uh, so the pineal. Do you get you guys? It was just local, right? You guys didn't tour.
1: Oh, we toured. We oh, toured. You did? Uh, we, yeah, we toured um, East Coast and Midwest. We never got out to the West Coast, um, which is a shame. Never got outside of the country, which is a real shame. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we toured uh, on e- every release. We would at least put in, you know, 10 days to, I think our longest tour was three weeks.
0: Like New England, so.
1: New England, Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The get straight up The, coast close, close, you know, the
0: towns are close.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That helps. That yeah. helps for sure. Cause
0: out West, oh my God, such hell rides, you know, you gotta really <laughs> fucking go for it but, uh, but, but
1: you also have to be smart in your in your in, in booking things because I remember we did oh, one yeah, ridiculous thing where we I think we drove from Boston to Peoria it was like a 22 Peoria, hour drive that's where in between my, my
0: mom grew up after a Wyoming
1: oh wow I did It's not the know home that. a
0: caterpillar uh, tractor
1: oh interesting I didn't know that either yeah, yeah it's, it was yeah. it was an interesting we, miles we,
0: south of uh, Chicago
1: yeah a long way from Boston that's for sure not not, yeah, generally, yeah. not I mean, generally not what you want to book right after Boston
0: that that's a hell ride. Yeah. I-80 yeah god, I 80 or I 90.
1: Yeah. think
0: Oh my god. Uh, but you learn what <laughs> did any of your bands ever come out west?
1: No, never. Unfortunately, never. We never made it out west. Um, in fact, that was the only band other than Halex did a very small Midwestern tour. But PV was the only uh, band that I I really toured with.
0: So you really invested time in running the stu- or help run the studio or, or run it?
1: Run it. Well, it's two different businesses in the same space, basically. We don't ever work at the same time. Right. Um, so uh, basically how it came down was I had uh, Martin had emailed me saying that he didn't get a copy of our last CD. And I just happened to be coming to New York with my wife that weekend for vacation. And so we came by the studio and he happened to mention that he was looking to have somebody else move their studio in uh, to, you know, bring down overhead costs because he wasn't using it 24 it seven was just him. Um, and so uh, I went back to my job at tower records in Atlanta thinking, you know, not even thinking about that, but maybe a little thing in the back of my head, maybe. And then it, I, holiday season was kicking in and it was, I, I just realized that I'd been at tower for like 10 years at that point And I loved it. it. It was good for being in a band and what have you, but it was, it was time to go. And, uh, uh, at that same time, Caesar's palace actually existed as a studio in the singer of pineal Ventana's basement, uh, Clara clamp, it's her stage name, Danette her name. Uh, and anyway, long story short, she got pregnant. And, and I realized that I couldn't keep the studio in her basement, and I didn't have anywhere else to go. And Martin had just offered this thing, had just mentioned that this thing was going to happen up in Brooklyn. And I talked it over with my wife, and she was she was from Western New York originally and was tired of living in the South. And it was a pretty easy sell. So we, we got out and came to Brooklyn.
0: Wow. Become yeah. a studio meister.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, you did and,
0: have a little experience there with the ba- basement in Atlanta and stuff,
1: but yeah, but not, a profe- not never in a professional yeah, well, studio, say, other than a, being an, uh, in professional studios. It was before, another
0: yeah. layer of uh, evolution, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and and then a, like
0: with the instruments, besides the violin, you learn by doing. Yes, <laughs> it's, wow. True. Wow. <laughs> it's true. Wow, it's true because you know people that they'll go to school to learn studio stuff you know but i, I think uh, the, yeah. the way to do it is like you intern right or you get in with martin bc a master like that sense
1: like an apprenticeship yeah absolutely yeah, right. although although that isn't really what i did it was more sort of into the fire and and you know right, just and, <laughs> here you go learn a lot but um <laughs> but but I, I you know i did have his you know his knowledge and if i needed to ask him something i, I did have him there and so that, that was certainly helpful and and yeah, he's of course. a great guy. So. And he,
0: you know, I got to play with him a couple years ago. In, I remember Toronto. that. It was in Toronto or something, at the, right? At the like horseshoe, in... right? Right, right. And uh, <laughs> it was just so good to see him again. And his band was great, and it was beautiful. We're at the end of that second hour, August 24, 2021, Wat Watt Pedro's special guest, Jason Lafarge. Hold tight for hour three. August 24, 2021, it's the third hour of the for Pedro show. we For Pedro sure. Show start off the third hour. Scum Quartet with Steve McKay. Brother Steve. Endless existence. Emma Jean Thackeray after that with Mercury in Retrograde, She was on last week. Patronized humoplasms from world with a tune called World History. <laughs> and then the scum quartet featuring Brother Steve McKay doing maintaining the cosmic order with machine guns. Tell me about you meeting first time brother steven McKay, jason
1: uh, so that would have been in 2004 um scott neidegger who had you had on your show not yeah, all that long ago, ago a couple months ago maybe yeah. uh he um it, he and i had been friends for a while and i was sort of part of his loose group of people called radon the radon, uh, collective. The, the radon collective yeah it was a it, it was sort of a group of Musicians and what have you that um, helped each other out and played together and it, it was it was kind of special uh, yeah. it, from all over the world there were people from all over the That's right. you know, people Europe and Asia and they were everywhere um, but um, he had met Steve and had started doing some shows with Steve um, and this was I believe bef- just prior to the Stooges reunion thing kicking in it was when Scott was doing this with him and um and so then in 2004 i guess the stooges thing had already started at that point uh but he he brought him to new york to do a couple of shows and play at fmu and uh scott
0: brian turner
1: and brian turner uh, uh, brian turner and, and and scott sort of set this up and uh uh came and played this show with um I believe uh, Kamilski was also, uh, oh, yeah. Check, check, yeah. Uh, he was also part of that. And we so we, we did the FMU show, which uh, uh, I shared with you in a story that I, uh, my very first time meeting Steve and we're, we're just go- jumping right into it and playing. It's like, okay, you guys are on the air now. And <laughs> I had plugged into this bass amp and it cranked it up. I mean, it was like on 10, but it was barely emitting any sound. I knew that wasn't a good thing, but yeah. it was the only thing I could see that was meant for bass and uh roughly five minutes into the whole thing i just i started smelling smoke and yeah. i realized I, I wasn't hearing myself and yeah i was like this is no good so there was a music man guitar amp next to it and i just moved the mic over and threw it in and, and that's what ended up being released on steve's uh, tunnel diner album right, uh, right. a couple of years okay. later which is funny but um so yeah met him there we ended up playing that night at tonic opening up for nick turner um uh, uh,
0: yeah from uh uh, Lenny's band. Uh,
1: from uh, Yeah, right, from Hawkwind. Right, um, and also that,
0: it, that Mr. Zorn's pad.
1: Yeah, at Tonic, exactly. It was a, it was a neat place. Um, and so uh, played a show with him that night, and then we played a, a show with a much larger ensemble the next night up at SUNY Purchase, and it was kind of a disaster. I just remember no one could hear each other, and everybody was just sort of playing against each other. It was just one of those weird shows that just should never have really happened but uh, the well, you show at chronic di- was amazing you know, that's
0: the thing about that stuff right you throw the yeah. dice
1: sure you know it, what it, i mean it, it, if
0: it was automatic you know it'd be just a xerox machine or something but it's it's kind of a gamble and, and it like you is. said I, I think one of the uh, key things was you couldn't hear each other it's about listening when you improvise right
1: absolutely. And when you have that many people just playing pretty much at the same volume and it was, it was just, yeah, there was nothing to, you don't get any interesting
0: conversation going.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, uh, that's, that's my memory of it anyway. Maybe people in the audience who were, who were paying attention. And, saw and, it, and now these different.
0: recordings, Scum Quartet.
1: Right. That, that uh, hadn't so,
0: developed yet though yet. Right.
1: No, no, no. That was a few years later and that was uh, part of, um, uh, Jonathan Saldana and and Scott Neidigers um, project United Scum Sound Clash, yeah. and um, basically we recorded what you heard as the Scum uh, Quartet, what you what you just played, um, but. Uh, it was heavily edited for the actual United Scum Soundclash release, um, like just stuff looped over and, and what have you. But basically we recorded that quartet and then we recorded a bunch of other people like Stefania from OVO and guys from the Hot Frog collect- Collective oh, yeah. in L.A. Um, uh, it, all these people came and, and, and it played just – put stuff down and it was heavily edited and put together as this project. United Scum Soundclash Machine Guns was the name of the album. And uh, that I think it was like 2006 that that came out, maybe 2007. Uh, but it was all done in Portugal. Jonathan Soldana and, and Scott Niger as far as putting it all together and, and releasing it. So uh, jump ahead to a few months ago and you uh, got in touch with me looking for solo tracks of, of Steve and I started going through what I had uh, on hard drives and backup DVDs from, you know, 15 years ago and what have you and and came across those and initially didn't listen to the whole thing. I just I, I wanted to get you the sax track so you guys could could use it um and just put it on a pile next to my desk uh, for when I had some time to listen to it. And I was like, OK, I, I need to listen to that stuff. And when I did, I was just I was floored. I was just like, Wow, this is so good just by itself without the editing and all this stuff, and this really should just be a release on its own. And so I got in touch with Scott and Heidegger and he totally agreed. And so he did some artwork for for the album cover. And our, our good friend Jay Reeve and Viddy Paternostro have uh, the mutant sound label on uh net cynette label, um, and they put it out. Uh, a month or so ago, I guess. And, it was uh,
0: beautiful, really
1: beautiful. Yeah, thank look, you for for making me look for the files. Well, it's awesome. Look, you
0: were helping me and Larry too give tribute to Stooge's music. You know, we love those guys, the Ashton Brothers and Brother Steve.
1: Oh man, and you guys were so good. I'm so glad that they chose you as their bass player. It was it, it was really a sort of a, a perfect very match. I thought
0: very kind. Look, here's you playing with Michael and the Swans.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
5: Mapping up time inside
2: La la la.
0: Not for Peaver, show last music for this edition. Swans with Inside Madeline. Or Madeline. I fuck up everyone's language. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Regis, uh, Phils Ben and Brother Phil Mammoth with uh, Welcome to the Charcoal State Deja Vu mix. He lives in the fire. We got hundreds of thousands of acres burning up here. Not just oh. Cali, but the whole West. It's so sad. And then finally, Control from Pineal Ventana. Uh, What about your shift with uh, Michael Swan?
1: So I started working with him... um Really, thanks to Martin BC. Um he had been working on an Angels of Light record called Everything is Good Here, Please Come Home, and that was roughly when I was moving my studio in, and um, Michael needed digital files uh, instead of half-inch tape for the mastering, and I happened to have a Pro Tools rig, and so I got the job of transferring things, um, uh, and from that point, I also did like a couple of um, background vocals and things like that for that album, Devenger Banhart.
0: You know, Larry of, made a few uh, Swans albums.
1: Oh, I know. And, and in fact, that's <laughs> small that, world,
0: that, Jason. Yeah, but that, that
1: particular a- Angels of Light record that actually has a it's a bit of contention for poor Larry, actually. I know. Uh, that, I know. I that That's the it. album that uh, Michael erased all of Larry and Dana's tracks, I right, think. A and, little, and, drama, uh, <laughs> little drama, a little
0: drama.
1: Yeah, anyway, yeah. Without anyway, human
0: beings, without a little drama being
1: involved. Of course not, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's when I started working with him, and then he hired me to uh, w- record ba- uh, overdubs for Davenger Banhart, the oh. two albums that he put out on, him, sure, sure, on his label. Sure, sure, sure.
0: So where can people find you on the internet? Because we're running out of time here, Jason. I'm sorry.
1: Um, You know, if you... Google me, you'll find me. But uh, I, you mean Caesar's Palace Recording engine. There com. are many search
0: <laughs> engines out there, people. It's not just that one company.
1: <laughs> right, uh, Ian, indeed. Ian McKay, that is true. I,
0: Ian Mackay would have like slapped a ball. <laughs> <thing. laughs>
1: uh, but joking. Caesar's Palace Recording is the website, but it's just not up and running just yet. But it'll yeah. be up. It, it, there was an old Caesar's Palace used to be the website, but right. There's some drama about that, but it's it's. Yeah, moving on, moving forward. But yes, Recording dot com.
0: Well, look, when you get more stuff happening, you know, in the pipeline, especially as as things are coming back a little bit, still safe, safe and everything. But you've probably been trading files over the Internet anyway, like giving me and Larry this stuff. And so, but what you do? Will you come back on the show and let's play it and talk about it?
1: Uh, Oh, hell yeah, man. Anytime. You tell tell me when I will be here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, you let me know what's coming through the pipeline, right?
1: I will, of course. I'll I'll keep you, you said up to date. Pants
0: Exploder is your current thing, so Pants new-
1: Exploder is my current thing. And yeah, there's new
0: have- uh, Pants Exploder coming.
1: Yes, there is. We, in fact, that is one good thing that's happened during this time. We've recorded about an album and a half worth of material. So okay, um,
0: when you get it, looking so- out, come on the Watt Pedro show. Let's have a Pants Exploder guest appearance.
1: Hell yeah, you got it, man. Okay. We'll do. Thank well, you, up, thank James. you so much.
0: Okay, people, it's been April. Nope, August twenty fourth. 2021 <laughs> is my Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.